Arthur Gordon was a 20th century author, biographer, and editor, and among his writings is a wonderful book entitled A Touch of Wonder. It's a collection of essays, uh, memoirs really, on family and life along the coast in his native Savannah, Georgia. And it's a book about how our ordinary lives can hold in them a sense of wonder and beauty and majesty. And in one essay, he describes this occurring in a common enough scene. A summer cottage by the beach. A family settled in in the middle of the night. And a small boy asleep when he feels himself lifted from bed. And amidst his days of sleep, he could hear his mother murmuring about just how late it was. And he could hear his father laughing. And he felt his father's arms lifting him up. And almost like a dream, he was down the porch steps and he was out onto the sand. And he looked up at that moment and the sky overhead was just blazing with stars. Watch, his father said. And incredibly, as he spoke, almost as if he himself had invited it. One of the stars moved, it flashed across the sky, and before the wonder of this moment could fade, another star leaped up from its place, and then another plunging down toward the sea below. What is it? This boy whispered. Well, these are shooting stars, his father said, holding him in his lap as they sat there in the sand. They come every year on certain nights in August, and tonight I just thought that you'd like to see the show. That was all. Just an unexpected glimpse of something haunting, mysterious, majestic, beautiful. But back in bed, that little boy stared for a long time into the dark. And he was overwhelmed with the knowledge that all around this quiet summer cottage, the night was full of this silent brilliance of the falling stars. And Arthur Gordon wrote, Decades have passed, but I remember that night still because I was the fortunate eight-year-old boy whose father believed that a new experience was more important for a small child than an unbroken night's sleep. And no doubt in my childhood I had the usual quota of playthings and toys, Gordon continues, but these are all forgotten now. What I remember is the night that the stars fell. I love that story because it reminds me of the glimpses of wonder that are all about me in my life. Moments that I might describe this morning as epiphanies in my life when I have seen something that I had not seen before. Maybe it occurred as a child carried somewhere that I had not known or experienced, or at any time in my life when someone opened a door for me into another part of the world. And of course, I love this story also because it reminds me how such moments also require us to at times be unconventional, to wake up, to go against the grain, to break a night's sleep. And so it reminds me of the course that I want my life to follow. It makes me want to be someone who sees what others might not catch as readily, who points it out to others, and who is willing to go out and to pursue it even right in the middle of the night. 
Well, we observe the star, they say, in our scripture text today. And so we have come now. We've followed it and we've come to pay homage to this king of the Jews. This Epiphany Sunday is the day that we remember and celebrate these magi who themselves were swept up by the wonder of the star against the vast expanse that surrounded them in their quiet lives. And they pursued it, they followed it, they gave their all to the brilliance that startled them into finding the Messiah. Now despite the enduring place that they hold in our traditions and our pageants and our nativity settings, we actually don't know very much about these travelers. We don't really know, for instance, if there were three. We just know that Matthew lists three gifts. And we don't know where they come from. We only know that they were Gentiles or non-Jews traveling from somewhere east of the star. And we don't actually know if they were men, just that a male noun is used. And about that noun, we don't know if they were wise, because the word is magi, it's a Persian word, and you can hear in magi the root of our word magician. This was a word the ancients used for any number of mysterious figures, like seers and interpreters of dreams, sorcerers, astrologers. We call them wise, but I'm not so sure that that's the best description for these mysterious travelers who had been staring at the sky and who set off immediately from some far-reaching point. I might even suggest that wise is a mischaracterization entirely, and I think you'd have to agree if you honestly consider how you'd react if someone in your life whom you love came to you and said, look, I've seen something. I'm not sure where it will lead me or how long it will take, but I'm out of here. I've got to go. Just imagine how you'd react to someone who sees what others don't see, who follows what others don't follow. Someone like that might be more aptly termed idealistic or restless. Why can't they just settle down? Or starry-eyed. You could start to see them as impulsive, unreasonable, irresponsible, maybe even more foolish than they are wise. And that makes these star chasers fit right in with so many others in this story of God's love come to earth in Jesus Christ. It says the poet and author Madeline LaEngle once wrote, this is the irrational season when love grows free and wild, which we see in the bold young mother who is filled with enough courage to lift her voice to the Judean countryside and imagine God's plan to shake the earth happening through her. How foolish. It's seen in an embarrassed father who resists archaic tradition and convention and norms to stay near his betrothed. And all because of something that he hears in this mysterious figure in, in white. How irrational. It's seen in stupefied shepherds who return to their homes and villages, shouting in ecstasy, so convincing that people believe and want to find it themselves. How impulsive. And over all of this action, there shines this star overhead. In his sweeping poem, A Christmas Oratorio, W.H. Auden gives this star a voice. Beware, the star says, 
All those who follow me are led onto that glassy mountain where there are no footholds for logic, to that bridge of dread where knowledge but increases vertigo. Those who pursue me take a twisting lane to find themselves immediately alone with savage water or unfeeling stone in labyrinths where they must entertain confusion, cripples, tigers, thunder, pain. Yes, the star appears with a warning, beware if you follow this way. This was all too real for W.H. Auden, who wrote this poem in 1942 in what was Auden's native Britain, the most uncertain and fearful period of World War II. And he knew that to follow a star overhead was to see something else, something more for this world. It meant to risk something big for what you've seen and imagined. Earlier in the poem, Auden's star says, I am the star that is dreaded by the wise. Because it's not the wise and the measured that set out. It's the star chasers. And we can call them wise. But we can only do this if we remember what the Apostle Paul says about wisdom. And that is that the wisdom of God is foolishness to this world. That if we are to chase a star, if we are to follow the Christ whom we meet beneath it, then we are seeking another realm, another standard, another kingdom as Jesus came to proclaim. And it will seem absolute foolishness by the standards of this world. And we can trace this kind of foolishness throughout the story of these magi. We see it from the outset and what is this essential insight for the Gospel of Matthew that these are outsiders. These are non-Jews in the middle of a Jewish story. And they're the ones who follow the star to pay homage to the Messiah. These are Gentiles, pagans. They are not part of the chosen people and they are here at the very beginning. You see, Matthew introduces Jesus Christ by way of a story that subverts religious traditions and defies the usual expectations. And that surprise continues as they find him not in the place they first looked, not in the place that any of us would look at first. They arrive to Jerusalem, the seat of commerce and power, and instead of the king of the Jews, they discover instead the murderous King Herod. As the biblical scholar Walter Brueggemann has reminded with such wit and insight, they were off by nine miles. They read the wrong directions, apparently. And they have to be reminded again of the wisdom of our God found in the prophet Micah who imagined a Messiah born in humble Bethlehem. And so they follow the path of this prophet, which is one of justice and kindness and walking humbly with your God. And they discover what we can never seem to find, that the king for whom they search, the Messiah whose promise started their journey is not to be found in palaces of stone or places of power and prosperity, but in places humble, out on the edges, places like Bethlehem. It's not sitting in the seat of influence, but lying in a feeding trough in the barn out behind the two crowded inn. And so having seen him there, they then make a foolish, irrational decision, ill-advised and rash, Herod interested in the talk of the king, for obvious reasons, had asked them to return to him. Tell me if you find him. I want to come and worship him too. Now in those days, it was advisable to do 
what a violent and vengeful and easily set off king asked, but rather than return to the maniacal leader with all of the power of this world, the one desperate to control this threat, they do something wild, they resist. And they return by another way where he can't find them. Which reminds us of yet another essential and absurd truth of this story for Matthew. That when they saw the child, it changed everything for them. They were transformed. They had to alter their plans. They had to even go home by a different road, Matthew tells us. They were overwhelmed with joy, the text says, when they saw that the star had stopped over the place where the child was. It was as though that their faces were shining like all of those before them who shine from their encounter with God, because they chased a star, they were changed forever. As Peter Gomes once described it, we have come from an encounter with the world of the possible in the midst of the impossible. We have seen God, we have survived to tell the tale, moving about not knowing that our faces shine from the encounter, bearing the mark of this forever and marveling in the darkest night of the soul at that wondrous star-filled night. And this is what happens to those who chase that star. This is what happens to those who see what others don't see and who follow what others don't follow. And it is foolishness to some. But it is also known as something else. And that is the wisdom of our God wondrous and brilliant of a star unlike any we've seen before. The wisdom of those who know that you have to be at least a little bit foolhardy and risky to believe things like this can really change the world. Because it's only the ones bold enough to catch this vision and to chase it. And the story of God's transformative love in this world is full of them, star chasers like these magi from the east. It's here at the beginning, but before this story is over, Jesus will continue it. He will shatter all the old boundaries that would keep anyone from coming to him. Before the story is over, all the outsiders, the marginal, the sinners, the unclean, the lepers, the tax collectors, the prostitutes, the poor people, the women, the children, the Roman centurions, the foreigners, all of them outsiders, they will be part of the story. They will be welcomed and included in his company. They will be welcomed at his table. Before it's over, he will go to all the places that people don't normally look, like the Bethlehems and barns of our world, to find that there are children of God there. Before it's over, Jesus will scandalize the wisdom that defines tribe and draws lines between us and them, and then builds walls to keep us away from them, to keep them out. No, Jesus doesn't understand that way of thinking at all. He tears down the walls. He crosses the boundaries. He flings the doors open. He welcomes everyone home. And so before it's over, he will resist the maniacal leaders, the enforcers of the status quo, so much so that they turn back on him. And the fear of Herod, it just breeds throughout the system of the empire, and they finally catch up to him, condemning him on a cross with King of the Jews written overhead. But then before it's over, he will return in brilliance and light to inspire those who will follow in his way. And as they leave the mount of his transfiguration, don't forget what scripture says. It says that their faces are shining. Shining from seeing the possible amidst the impossible. And they chase it for the rest of their days. 
They become people of relentless hope, always hungry for and watching for and striving for a world that is more than this one, a world that is as God intends it to be, a world where justice and kindness and compassion are real and known. And before it's over, that number can include each of us too. Marcus Borg and John Dominic Crossan, in their book on the first Christmas, wrote this, We who have seen the star, we are called to participate in the new birth and the new world that is proclaimed. The birth stories are not some pipe dream. They are a proclamation that what we see revealed in Jesus is the way, the way to a different kind of life and a different kind of future, that God changes the world with our participation. And it starts when we chase it. Like Magi in the east on the night the star appeared, or like a father with his eight-year-old son on the night the stars fell, while others are snug and safe, and just sleeping right through it. Or like any of us in moments when we're invited to see, to act, to follow, to participate, to see in the vast expanse of God's love a call for our particular lives in this moment. I'm sure there were others who saw it. Ancient historians and contemporary astrologers have reasoned that this must have been a kind of generational phenomenon as Matthew describes it. A star brilliant enough to chase all the way to a previously unheard of town of Bethlehem. Surely others saw it. But it's only these foolish ones that set out. Because I suppose others were more rational, more reasonable. They never left. They had responsibilities, you see, so they stayed under the covers. They had to get a good night's sleep, or they stayed in the safety of what they had known, and they reinforced the status quo, the way things are, and they believed that that's the way things ever will be. And I relate to these people, these people who saw and did nothing. I don't know about you, but I have slept through a lot of shooting stars. And I have halted my steps at a lot of what has beckoned me forward. But in my life, I want to be foolish enough that I can find something of the wisdom of God. I want to see what others might not see. And I want to chase what others have found is just not worth the effort or the struggle. I want to take the first step and then the next, even when the safety of home or the snugness of bed, they are so comforting and stable and easy. I want to rely on new bold stars and let go of some of the old guides and norms. I want to follow to the place where love is known fully and incarnate, where I have a unique gift to bring. And I want my face to be shining when I leave that place to go home by another road. Now, I don't know all that that means for me. And a lot of years have passed since that star appeared and then faded away, the earth turning, the sun setting, the night enveloping us. 
But I know that God is still calling in the midst of it all. And I know that the invitation is there for us to set out and follow. And I also know that once again this year, somewhere off the coast, the stars are going to pop against the midnight backdrop. They're going to rain down and fall from the sky. They're going to blaze against it, just inviting us to see. And my children will be sleeping. And they will be waiting for someone foolish enough to carry them out to see it. May we be foolish enough to chase the stars through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.